famous scenes with drama queens and heroes acted out there on the silver screen come grab a seat the popcorn is on me Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning the second here with uh, Thomas Manning right over there to my right. I hope you are well, Mr. Man. Oh, I am. Sure am. Happy to be here. I'll do it. Greg's in a rush trying to get us out of here as he always <laughs> I know. is. But, uh, I know. Yeah. He is. He's like, yeah. he's like, okay, get going. Get going. I know he's rolling. rolling. So, so we're going to have to get through this show really fast. So this is going to be the fastest 30 minutes you have ever seen in your life. We do talk movies uh, right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And Thomas, um, we received non-viewer mail uh, recently. Uh, you and I talked about the Minions uh, recently, and we were talking about how successful that was and how you know, Lightyear has you know, really gone to the dust after the Minions came out. Part of that is because there's a, a thing called the Gentle Minions, and they've been doing some weird things like throwing stuff at the screens, and they have also... Uh, some theaters have decided to no longer show the Minion, Minions film because of this. Yeah, yeah. And so the non-viewer mail asked the question, were we responsible for that and did we take part in throwing things at the screens and shutting down theaters? So Thomas, I'm going to let you answer that question. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because the Gentle Minions trend was traditionally uh, you know, something that was promoted by people my age. Right. So I definitely fit in that age category, uh, you know, late teens, early 20s, uh, guys dress up in suits and go in groups of 20, 30, 40, 50. Yeah. Go to the Minions, <laughs> rent out whole theaters and, you know, just get very, uh, very raucous, we'll call yeah. it. <laughs> well, it's been compared to how audiences engage with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's been yeah. going on. And uh, much to the much to the you know distaste of those that are really trying to enjoy the film, uh, and to the theater owners themselves. Yeah, so I feel a lot more bad for the theater owners than I do other audience members. Like other audience members, you're watching the Minions. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I I just feel bad for the theater owners and you know the right. people who have to clean up the mess. Yes, so exactly. yeah, it's taking it too far if you're like you know throwing popcorn, throwing drinks. Right. But if you're just there having a good time, laughing and cheering. That's and talking fine. about it, the screen, sure. That's fine because it's it's the minions. Yeah, like. <laughs> but but no, we were not responsible. Yeah. We were not involved in that. Although, the age demographic definitely fits Thomas Manning. Yeah, so thank does. you for that non-viewer mail. You can always send that to us, info at c19.tv. Well, recently we lost a legend. Uh, James Kahn uh, passed away. Uh, man, and and the guy's got. I uh, mean, he, he's been an entertainer in TV and in film. Uh, and uh, I, I thought I'd let, let us talk a little bit about that and share some of our thoughts about the passing of this legend. Yes, James Conn, I think the first time I ever saw him was in Elf, uh, you know, the John Faber directed film, also starring Will Ferrell, uh, and you know, Conn was playing Buddy the Elf's father, <laughs> who was basically a Grinch-like figure. Yes, uh, very much so. And, um, you know, it wasn't until years later that... I really, you know, started to familiarize myself with the rest of his filmography and realized just how prolific yeah. he has been for, you know, he was 40 years, 40, 50 years almost in the industry. So. Yeah, and, and the industry recognized him throughout the years uh, with a lot of honors, including uh, Oscar nominations, two primetime Emmy Awards, uh, four Golden Globe Awards, and a motion picture star on the Walk, Hollywood Walk of Fame, and that took place in 1978. So a lot of nominations 
a lot of award recognition uh, over the years. And what are some of the films that stand out for you other than, than Elf? Yeah. And Elf is yeah. one of those that stands out for me as well. Yeah, so obviously The Godfather, uh, where he played Sonny, and uh, his character, he dies really one of the most famous cinematic deaths that you'd ever seen. You know, the look how they massacred my boy. Um, yes. And that, that event is a catalyst for a lot of the events, the entire Godfather saga. And um, you know, even though Sonny, or James Conner's Sonny, his screen time is quite limited throughout the series, um, his just presence kind of hangs yeah. over and looms over the entire, uh, you know, all three films, 18 years, yeah. um, you know, throughout the real world in between the first Godfather and then the third Godfather. And um, it wasn't, um, you know, it wouldn't have had such an impact if it was played by a lesser talent, but because it was James Conn and just the presence he brought to that role, um, you know, basically that character was just, you know, looming the entire time and was, uh, you know, the emo was pretty much the emotional backbone for a lot of right. the, um, you know, a lot of the character drama. Absolutely. One of the first times I ever saw him was the, the year before Godfather was released. Uh, it was an ABC movie of the week called Brian's Song. And uh, it was uh, based on this true story of this football player who uh, gets this disease and it shows the friendship of Billy D. Williams also uh, in this uh, in this movie and just a really sad film. I remember uh, hearing about it when I was really young, but um, because I love football, was kind of drawn to that story and just a very heartbreaking story. But a Brian song from 1971 is one on my list. And if you want to see a different side of James Conn, I recommend going to check that out. Yeah, and uh, 1981, um, Thief, he uh, acted in Michael Mann's directorial debut, and uh, he plays this, you know, jewel thief, um, jewel, you know, safe cracker, and uh, he is very cold and calculating and just a professional in every sense of the word. Um, and, you know, the character, he's not really a nice guy. Um, he does a lot of bad things, says a lot of bad things, um, but it's also a very layered character with, um, you know, a performance that I just consistently find myself thinking back to. I've only seen that film a couple times, but that's, you know, it's just one of those, once you watch it, you really can't stop thinking about it. And um, there's one scene in particular in this film, you know, a lot of crime dramas have scenes in a diner that are, you know, dialogue scenes, yeah. characters just talking, but, yeah. um, you know, and even in Michael Mann's filmography, we see that, of course, in Heat with uh, Pacino and De Niro, that famous diner scene, but, I think the foundations for that were laid with this film um, and um, with James Caan and a Tuesday Weld. They have a yeah. about a 10 minute scene in a diner where uh, they're just kind of, you know, sharing, um, sharing things with each other that they've never shared before. And uh, they really come to um, it kind of hits them that, you know, they're, they're a couple, but they really don't know each other and they right. don't. Both of them have secrets from their past yeah. that uh, you know they've never opened up about, and uh, that just scene is really the diner scene. It's something that you know it's like one of the most cliche. It's become almost a cliche, right? But but when it works, it yeah, works. Yeah, and this this kind of was uh, this was the one that I really think um, started. Um, you know, set it along a path to what we have today. Yeah, um, and, and Khan was such a versatile actor. He did comedy, he did uh, drama, um, he did action drama, and he did, he did crazy action like Rollerball from 1975. You know, you think about the, the roller derby with the WWE and you put it in this kind of almost a post-apocalyptic time frame 
and you got Khan just going nuts. And um, that's what you have in Rollerball. So if you haven't seen that and you want to see a different side of Khan there, I'd, I'd recommend that. And no, uh, he never did star in The Wrath of Khan. That's a whole different kind of Khan, Mr. Tillman. Uh, and, and you know that. You know that. Different, different Khan. And then, uh, you know, Khan, his, his son, um, you know, Scott Khan, who yes. is, uh, you know, still, he's had a great career. And uh, I think, um, I didn't put the connection together. That I, I loved watching Scott Kahn in Hawaii Five-0. Right. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until we were watching Elf with our grandparents one time, and uh, they were like, oh, James Kahn, that's, uh, that's the father of that guy from, we like from Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> yes. so, and know, they got to perform together because yeah, Kahn yeah, came yeah, on Hawaii Five-0. And I believe, um, I believe Scott Kahn directed his father in a film as well. Wow. And, in that uh, episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, um, you know, just, it's, Really, a great um, cinematic family, and yeah. um, you know, he, James Conn is dearly missed, and eight, uh, I think 82 years old. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, in theaters, uh, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears, but also another legendary uh, showbiz figure, uh, biopic Elvis. Um, you know, something is interesting about what we're seeing in this comeback summer. I'm calling it the comeback summer from from the pandemic, because uh, audiences are coming back in ways that we didn't anticipate and also in ways that maybe we thought they wouldn't. Um, the, the Minions, I think that's a different kind of story where, where we're seeing some trends happen that, that changes that dynamic. It's not just families. But we looked at Top Gun and that brought people to theaters that had not gone to theaters in years. Elvis is doing the very same thing. 60% uh, of the audience uh, is over 35 and that's in keeping with what we saw what, with, the, uh, with the average of what we saw with uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, the age demographic, this is an age demographic that the studios were wondering, would we ever see these folks back in the theaters uh, again? And uh, this Elvis bi biopic, uh, another thing it's got going for it is the endorsement of both Lisa Marie and Priscilla. There have been plenty of other Elvis-related films out there and, and those that have been connected to Presley, but nothing has had this stamp of approval. I think that's something that's helped it out. And, and what's interesting when you're looking at um, the surveys of those coming out of this, um, you know, Tom Hanks stars in this as Colonel, Colonel Parker. He's a villain, really, of the story. But it's not Tom Hanks who is drawing people to the theaters. It's the story of Elvis and the character of Elvis. And that's something unusual. I don't know of another Tom Hanks film in recent history that hasn't been Hanks that's driven people to go see it, whether it's uh, you know, streaming or whether it's uh, at the box office. So those are some really interesting things that I'm, I'm finding um, that, are, that are coming out of this. Also, people are going back to see Top Gun. People are going back to see Elvis. Those same audience members, uh, women um, uh, by far uh, over 50 females, uh, those who are identifying themselves as females over 50 are also driving the box office for this Elvis film. Uh, and uh, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. Uh, for those that are 35 and older, they're giving this a score of an A. Uh, the general critics' consensus, though, is about a B minus. Uh, the Rotten Tomato audience score is 94%. So um, some of your thoughts on, on this and, and why we're seeing this 
find success in an unusual way. Yeah, yeah, so I, I have yet to see Elvis, but a friend of the show, Christian Jessup, has seen it twice already, and for a film that's nearly three hours long, and you know, isn't like a you know, Marvel or Star Wars film, um, you know, for it to draw in people for repeat viewings like that is really something, um, it's pretty special and uh, does not happen very often at all. And I think having Boz Lerman as the director is yeah. another thing that sets it apart because he's, you know, he does you know, kind of grandiose spectacle, right. whether it's Moon Rouge or, uh, you know, the Gatsby film right. with Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, everything I've heard about this one is that it is, you know, all of that just kind of dialed up to 11. And um, that fits the personality of someone like Elvis, who was a Absolutely. once in a generation personality. And, um, you know, I've heard Austin Butler's performance is, um, you know, that was one of the first things that was endorsed by the Presley family right. saying that, that Butler brought their, um, you know, their either father or uncle to life like no one else before. And, um, you know, I haven't seen Butler in much before, but we did see him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm -hmm. as uh, one of the Manson family. Yes, and, yes. You know, I remember watching that and he had like maybe 15 or 20 minutes in that film where he was on screen, but I was hanging on every moment with him and that. So I, you know, looking forward to eventually getting the chance to see Opus. It might be, you know, around awards season when get the screener sent out, but, um, you know, just um, I, I am quite uh, quite amazed with its success, and you know, like you mentioned, um, that kind of running parallel to Top Gun, yeah. uh, similar audience members, yeah. and Top Gun at this point, uh, at the time of recording, almost 1.2 billion dollars it's yeah. accumulated worldwide. Yeah, is. and and it's a it's a film that um, no no other film this summer is going to catch that, which is really fascinating because normally that kind of Memorial Day weekend opening does not. Um, become the top-grossing film of the summer, but but I, I don't see anything catching uh, Top Gun at, at this point. Uh, and again, you know, when you have when when it's endorsed by a former wife uh, and a daughter who says this is something that we think is worthy um, of our family member, that's something. I did talk to Earl Owensby because Earl, huge Elvis fan, named one of his sons Elvis. Another one of his sons, Rhett, uh, and I asked him, I said, what did you think of this movie? He said, it was good. He said it was good. Uh, he said his son, Rhett, thought it was good, but he said he thought that Living Legend, the Earl Unsby film, was better. So, you know, that's talk about that family dynamic. So there you go. I wanted to make sure uh, I shared that uh, as well. And we are on a future show. We're going to be talking about uh, Elvis-infused films, films that are either inspired by Elvis or connected to the Elvis legacy. Um, that's coming in a future episode of Meet Me at the Movies. We're going to take a quick intermission. Uh, we're going to come back, and after the break, uh, we're going to talk about Spiderhead uh, and find out, if, is this a spinoff of the Spider-Man films? Uh, let, let's, let's check that out and more right after this intermission. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, now go get over, don't you? Devil my blue please. There are so many positive things that are happening in Cleveland County. It's too hard to keep up with, and that's what Community Spotlight is all about. 
Hi, I'm Tyra Silvers, and I'd love for you to join me every other week right here on C19 TV, where we learn about the good folks and organizations that make our county such a special place. So drop in on us at Community Spotlight, only on C19 TV and online at c19.tv. Chef Paul Prudhomme once said, you don't need a silver fork to eat good food. Well, on Cleveland County Kitchen, we don't have a silver fork, but we sure do serve up lots of good food. Hi, I'm Deborah Blanton. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Each month, we offer a complete farm-to-table experience. We visit local growers, we learn about nutrition, and wrap things up with wonderful meals prepared by our guest chefs. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch Hello, Welcome it. back to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here with uh, Mr. Craig Tillman uh, back there on Mission Control. He's still on the Tim Cam. And uh, yeah, still on the Tim Cam. And uh, he's, uh, he's going to check out the Elvis movie because he thinks he could actually be a better Elvis than Butler. Uh, I, that's what he said during the break, so we'll, we'll see. I think you have to shave the beard uh, if you're going to make that happen. Um, well, unless it's old Elvis. You know, in the future, yeah, maybe it's a, an Elvis in outer space, uh, kind of a sci-fi Elvis. We could, we could do that with Mr. Tillman. What do you think? Maybe you could shave that beard, turn it into a wig that's more accurate to Elvis's hair. Oh, we could do that. Yeah, yeah we could add that, do some weaving, hair yeah, weaving. Yeah. Don't we have the barber school down, down the hall? We could, we could do that. Yeah, all right. Um, there's a, there's a spinoff of this Spider-Man franchise called Spider-Head. Is that right, Thomas? Uh, we can not, talk about? Not quite. Uh, what? You're, you're trying, but what? not quite. It's not a spinoff. Okay. <laughs> no. So it's called Spider-Head. It actually does star some actors who have started Marvel properties before. We have uh, Chris Hemsworth in this movie, who, we, of course, we know from Thor. Also, Miles Teller is in this, which, if you, if you remember, uh, he was played Reed Richards in That's that right. terrible Fantastic Four movie in 2015. <laughs> That was bad, man. That movie should have oh, never man. existed. Man, we'll, we'll have to do a whole special show about that someday. But anyway, so this is a uh, you know it's a sci-fi film, and from a purely conceptual and thematic standpoint, I loved what it was trying to explore. You know, the themes of redemption and radical love. Uh, so you have Miles Teller and then Journey Smollett. Their characters are technically prisoners. Uh, they both have dark secrets from their past, and they're in a penitentiary. But it's not your typical prison. Um, you know, on the surface, it looks like a pretty humane living community. 
but then you find out that these prisoners are being experimented on with these drugs that affect their brain chemistry. And that was basically part of the sentence they signed. They said, okay, we'll give you the, these humane living quarters, but we're just going to do some chemical testing on you occasionally. That happens on this show yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 that's so you felt at home watching this, right? I did. I was like, this, is, this movie was made for me. Exactly. <laughs> but, so, so Chris Hemsworth's character, he's the mad scientist, prison warden, the one in charge of all this um, and he says he's doing all this for the greater good but you know he's a sci-fi movie antagonist of course he's going to say that but, I mean what else is he going to say um, and a lot of this film kind of the atmosphere and um, you know the, the narrative and themes remind me of Ex Machina uh, yeah, with, all you know, right. Os with Oscar yes. Isaac uh, which great Alex Garland film yeah. um, also similarly to Ex Machina um, the bad guy in this sense Chris Hemsworth Gets a dance number. Uh, he, uh, if you remember, Oscar Isaac got a dance yes. number in Ex Machina. So I would say Hemsworth does a similar dance number, but it's like a, a cross between that and also his dance number from Bad Times at El Royale. Remember that? Yeah. So you know that that scene. I would say that scene alone is worth worth it for yes. to watch. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, I was I felt let down by yeah. this film just from. You know what what it could have been and what it was you know it didn't quite reach you know, what could have been its uh, its height or what should have um, been yeah and uh, I just felt like it was very shallow in its you know, thematic exploration and uh, you know I felt like there were parts of the movie that were missing I, I think I don't know if something happened in the edit or, um, you know, with the studio, I mean, it was Netflix distributed it, yeah. but directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who directed Top Gun Maverick, yeah. directed Tron Legacy. Yeah. And so Legacy, or um, Kaczynski's, you know, he's been on a bit of a tear recently, but uh, this one was, I do think, it just felt like something was missing from yeah. the final product. And it was um, an hour and 45 minutes long, which should have been plenty of time to explore right. everything that was going to, but I was actually left thinking, you know, if there were 15 or 20 minutes, they could have really fleshed out more of yeah. this, which usually isn't the case. Um, yeah. Usually, you it's know. It's the other way around. Yeah, usually an hour 45 is plenty. Um, but there was, in the last 15, 20 minutes of this film, I just thought to myself, oh, wow, so that's it. This is, this is where we're uh, leaving off. And, uh, you know, talking to Christian Jessup about it, he had a very similar uh, thought process. Yeah. Um, but, I mean. Performances are great all around, and it's shot very well. And, um, and the story concept's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Claudio Miranda was director of photography, who was also the DP on uh, Maverick. So you know, technically, it's it's, it's great, and uh, performances and you know, certain areas of the script are gonna you know keep keep you thinking. But um, it felt like it was a little bit you know undercooked at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your final rating for this? Um, you know, I'll, I'll give a. I'll give us B-minus to Spiderhead. Okay. All right, B-minus Spiderhead, and where can people find this? This is on Netflix. It is yeah. on Netflix. That's right. You mentioned that a little earlier. Uh, if you want to check out uh, a new a TV series uh, on FX, uh, you can check out Jeff Bridges. I've always been a fan of Jeff Bridges and his work. Uh, and in this, uh, in this series, uh, based on a book, uh, it's an action drama about this rogue CIA agent who is running from his past. Uh, he's been in hiding for decades, and he's only recently been rediscovered, and he's in his retirement years. That's where you get the, the term old man from. Um, Jeff Bridges, uh, John Lithgow star in this. It's really a fascinating look at both of those men. Um, you look at their presence, and you also look at their past. 
uh, and the secrets that threaten both of them. And that's one of the things that kind of drives this story, some uh, solid action, some uh, incredible writing. The action set pieces are absolutely marvelous, perfectly cast, uh, and the producing and the directing. Uh, John Watts, who we know with, um, for, for the spot, recent Spider-Man films, um, he directed the first two episodes and also serves as uh, an executive producer. Uh, season one of this is absolutely stellar. It's fueled with this spy craft story that really keeps you guessing and asking yourself questions the whole time. It engages the viewer. I, I love that. Um, I talked about the action sequences. There are some fight sequences between uh, Jeff Bridges' character uh, and some of these younger CIA agents. And uh, Jeff Bridges holds his own and then some. And it was fascinating to watch that. Um, you add to the mix, um, Bridges' character is also dealing with the loss of his wife uh, and the possibility that he may uh, suffer from dementia. So you add all of that into it and you really got a, an incredibly solid piece of episodic television that is now available uh, on FX and it was uh, greenlit for season two. I'm giving this a solid A rating for season one. Yeah, I've seen, I've uh, walked through the room a few times when you're watching this, and uh, I find myself just kind of glancing over and then sitting down and watching maybe five, ten minutes of it. You know, if I was like on my way to make supper in the kitchen, then I'm like, you know what, I, I need to see yes. what, what Jeff Bridges is up to. So I haven't watched the series in full yet, but, um, you know, just the glimpses I've seen, um, it looks like it's, you know, very well-crafted television. It is. It, it, it truly is. It truly is. Well, we've got a couple minutes, and I think we're going to wrap things up with Mrs. Marvel. Uh, we've been wanting to talk about this for a little while. Sorry, we're not talking about uh, Star Trek um, Strange New Worlds, Mr. Tillman, but we will get to that at some point. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that at some point, I promise. I promise. Well, let's talk about Mrs. Marvel. Yeah. So I think the best compliment that I can give to, to this series is that I really don't care how it fits into the wider MCU. Um, I just love the style, the characters, and that they're making they're making some pretty honest efforts to do something with social and political commentary and cultural commentary. Um, you know, the showrunner of the series, um, uh, Bisha K. Ali, she said that the style of the series, you know, from a technical standpoint, was actually influenced by the likes of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, I can see and that. And then John Hughes coming of age films, yeah. the 80s. Um, and, you know, it is a you know, coming of age um, for this 16 year old superhero, um, you know, Miss Marvel, who is protege of um, Captain Marvel, or the, she hasn't at this point in the narrative come into contact with Captain Marvel yet, but you know, she's she's a you know girl in Jersey City who looks up to her superhero and then eventually finds herself caught up in the middle of some you know, mystical superhero things of her own. Um, so I, I'd actually read a few comics. Miss Marvel, the character's relatively new to the Marvel comics. Um, you know, I guess within the past 10 to 15 years. And I'd read a few comics in a class I took at Gardner-Webb. Yeah. Uh, so Dr. Jennifer Buckner introduced me to the character of Miss Marvel. And uh, I'm, I actually haven't told Dr. Buckner about this series yet, but I'd love to see how much she's enjoying it. So. Yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's a series that I've watched, and I have not been able to, to get engaged with it as much as I would have liked. Uh, but, but understanding the, the Scott Pilgrim meets John Hughes, I can see that written all over it, uh, but for some reason it's just not connecting to me, and I know I'm not the demographic for this, um, and, and I do like some of the characters, but I, I'm just not in love with this mm. one. Yeah, yeah, um, and I honestly, when I saw the first few teaser trailers, I was, uh, I was kind of 
you know, my expectations took a took a step back. Yeah. Um, but I think going in with slightly lower expectations um, might have benefited. Okay. Um, but really, at this point, is probably my favorite um, Disney Plus Marvel series we've seen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. Um, yeah. And um, it actually is the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes as wow. well. Wow. Okay. Um, but I really do think it's probably his generational thing. Um, yeah. Just because I am. Pretty, I'm closer to that age than yeah, you absolutely. are. Um, yeah. Sorry to kind of. That's no, okay. Know, yeah, I, I, I'll agree. But, yeah. but you know, it's all right. high school wasn't too long ago for me. Yeah. And um, you know, other people around my age I've talked to have definitely said that um, it's you know it's moved them and yeah. uh, they're intrigued by the story. So. Okay. And so, what is your rating for this? Uh, honestly, for Miss Marvel, I'm going to give it an A minus. So. Okay. A minus. I'm not going to give it a grade uh, a grade because I, I I've kind of stopped watching it. Yeah. Uh, I, I might go back and check it out uh, now that I've heard all of this stuff and that, that I should. So uh, we appreciate you spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And I uh, know we're not going to be able to talk about Strange uh, New Worlds anymore, but we will at some point. I will give a review uh, when we can get Greg out here and, and let Thomas run, run the show uh, back behind the scenes. <laughs> he says no. I'll do that. No. <laughs> you just got to press a few buttons and close, close your eyes, right? That's yeah. right. Press a few buttons and close your eyes and pray for the best. All right, movie quote of the week. Uh, this does come from uh, the character Tony Archer from Hawaii Five-0, which was James Caan's uh, character. Uh, and here's the quote. When Tony Archer promises you something, when he promises you something, you can bet you're going to get it 50% of the time. So until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Thomas Manning and for Mr. Greg Tillman. Uh, for this week on Meet Me at the Movies. That's a wrap.